Pastor Xavier Reese explains how loving God requires your whole heart. Deuteronomy 10:12. What does the Lord God require of you but to fear the Lord Yahweh your God, to walk in all His ways and to love Him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29:13. God says, "And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart." Anything but a whole heart will get you in trouble. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture clearly admonishes that God is not to be mocked. But having gained back possession of the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistine enemies, the Israelites, already out of fellowship with God, irreverently peered into the Ark, a sacred act reserved for the high priests only. And today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier delivers a study from 1 Samuel chapters 6 and 7, in which the prophet used the judgment of God on the house of Israel to spark a revival back to the ways of God. Revival defined according to the Bible does not regard the unbeliever. It is for the believer who has become complacent and indifferent towards God. Revival is a sovereign work of God, be it with one person, a group of people, one nation, one people, one neighbor, whatever it may be. The number does not matter. As they are revived again to be passionately in love with God, and the result of that is an overflow to proclaim the gospel to save non-believers. But revival is for the believer, not for the non-believer. Listen to the scriptures, Ezra 9.9. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the king of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Listen to about four things in in Psalms. There's many, but let me give you these four. Psalm 80, verse 18. Then we will turn back from you... Revive us, and we will call upon your name, people of God. 85.6. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? 119 Psalm, verse 25. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. One more. Psalm 119.88. Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. God has called Samuel... To be his prophet. And God has manifested himself through his word once again at Shiloh as we have seen. God has judged Eli and his two sons. His two sons have fallen in battle against the Philistines. Eli, hearing the news that the ark was taken, fell backwards off his chair and broke his neck. And God also judged the Philistines, plaguing them with hemorrhoids. Now if you don't think God has a sense of humor... Um, He got his point across. And they sent back the ark. They sent it from Ashdod to Akron until the Philistines recognized that it was a judgment directly from God. And they didn't want to be like Pharaoh, we are told, in chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. They didn't want to harden their hearts. So they sent it back with an appeasing offering, an abominable offering. But because they're pagans, God figured the affliction was enough in itself. The test was to send by two milk cows while they shut up their calves, which would be unnatural. If the milk cows went straight ahead back to the Israelis, 
they would know it was God's judgment. If they turned back to their calves, that would be natural. They know it was just by chance. Simple. They realize this is judgment of God. Chapter 6, verse 6 through 9. Now, the transitional period from anarchy to monarchy was now in motion. By the beginning of a spiritual revival that would serve as a foundation to establish the monarchy, and it's characterized by three events. Because the next chapter, we get the first king. By the will of the people. The first seven chapters, Samuel. The second division, Saul. The third division, David. Let me read here. Verse 19 of chapter 6. Then he struck the men of Beshemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. He struck 50,070 men of the people, and the people lamented, because the Lord struck the people with a great plague. And the men of Beshemesh said, Who is able to stand before the Holy Lord God? And to whom shall it go up from us? And so they sent messengers to the inhabitants of kirhath Jerem, saying, The Philistines have brought back the ark of the Lord. Come down and take it up with you. And then the men of kirhath Jerem came, and they took the ark of the Lord, and they brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill, and consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And so it was that the ark remained in kirhath Jerem a long time. It was about 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, If you return to the Lord with all your heart, then and put away your foreign gods and asterisks from among you, and prepare your heart for the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from all the hand of the Philistines. And so the children of Israel put away the bells and the asterisks, and served the Lord only. And so Samuel said, Gather all of Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered themselves at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to pray. Or to cry out to the Lord our God for us, for that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And then Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel." And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as uh, below Beth Car. Then Samuel took up a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shem and called the name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And so the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron and Gath, and Israel recovered the territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also, there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel, and all the days of his life he went from year to year on a circuit of Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. 
But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. And there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. The beginning of spiritual revival would serve as a foundation to establish the monarchy. And it's characterized by these three events. First, the return of the ark by God, from verse 19 of chapter 6 to verse 2 of chapter 7. Secondly, we have the return of the people to God, verse 3 through 8 of chapter 7. And then thirdly, the return of the land by God, verse 9 through 17. Notice the progression here. The return of the ark by God, the return of the people to God, and the return of the land by God. You can't miss it. Let's begin here. The return of the ark by God. Look at 19 through 21 of chapter 6. The people of God became fearful of God. And rightly so. The Lord God judged them for intercepting the ark right here. The Lord struck the men of Bethshemesh, as it says right there, because they looked into the ark, killing 50,070. These men who looked in it, they were judged by God. The Levites had taken the ark down from the Philistine cart, and they offered up sacrifices, we are told in verse 15 of chapter 6 and verse 18. And they had no business doing this. Eli had just been stricken. He was a corrupt priest. Only the high priest had access to God. And the men of Beth Shemesh here, notice here, lamented over the great slaughter. Yet they knew that only the high priest could come before the Lord, especially the ark on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, once a year. Now, the tribe of Levi had various families and tribes for different duties, as you know. And the whole tabernacle was placed like a portable little tent, and it just got put up real orderly. Now, notice the men of Beshemesh admitted their trespass by their very words. Verse 20, who is able to stand before the holy Lord God? They acknowledged the holiness of God. And judgment fell because they were not. And they were out of limits there. So many people today in the church think they can live and do what they want, contradicting the word of God, and they can still get the blessings of God. Listen to me. You cannot call yourself a Christian and contradict the word of God. It's an insult to God. People do it every day, especially today in America, because we've watered down Christianity. It's anything but Christianity. And to whom shall it go up from us? So they sent there in verse 21 to the inhabitants of kirhath Jerem to come up and take the ark that the Philistines had sent. Now, the first one of chapter 7 here they, the Kirjathjerim, these men, they wanted nothing to do with the ark. Notice in verse 1, the men came and they took the ark of the Lord. And the ark of the covenant, as you know, had a mercy seat. If you were with us for our study of Exodus in Exodus 25, around verse 10 to 21, we are given the, the ark of the covenant. The ark of the covenant was made of acacia wood, symbolic of the humanity of Christ to come. 45 inches by 27 inches wide by 27 inches high. A box, that's all it was. Covered with gold all the way through. A cubit is 18 inches from your middle finger to the tip of your elbow. The ark was covered, overlaid with pure gold inside and out. Speaking of the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus Christ. Wood, humanity, acacia wood. God would become man. Human as well as God. The four rings were to be established at the end for poles to be put in there to be carried. Overlaid with gold. They were to remain within those things. The testimony to be placed in it was threefold. The two tables of stone that God wrote the Ten Commandments with, pot of manna that God fed them with, 
and the rod of Aaron, with God said he was the only high priest. Those are the threefold thing. By the time uh, Solomon got it, the only thing left was the tables of stone. Somebody already ripped the pot of manna and um, as well as the rod. Okay? All of that spoke of Christ. The almond that budded was the first fruit to blossom in springtime, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament, remember, you look at the book of Hebrews, the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. The mercy seat was on top of it, a lid that covered it completely. This lid was all of gold, 45 inches long, 24 inches wide, we are told. And that was prophetic of Christ because that was called a propitiate. That's where God would propitiate the sins of the nation. And he would appear before the Lord and minister to him. Now, 1 John 2, 2 says that Jesus Christ is our propitiation and not ours, the believer, also the whole world. So he's the one that made the satisfactory sacrifice to appease the sins of the world. Prophetic of Christ again. Remember the word atonement in the Hebrew is from the word kofar, to cover. They were IOUs, animal sacrifices, but they could not cover or forgive completely the sin. They were our use in the true payment to come. The word atonement in the Greek, break it up, at one men. That's the fulfillment of the payment by the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. So it was all prophetic. Now, that mercy seat had two cherubim. Two cherub, cherubims, plural. On each end, wings crossed, and God would meet their high priest there, and they're identified with the justice of God, carrying it out. We see even the seraphim flying overhead in Isaiah. With two they fly, they, two they cover their head, and two their face. And they cry out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the holiness of God. The cherub are associated with the justice of God. You see the cherub at the Garden of Eden as Adam and Eve are kicked out to guard the tree of life. Now, both of them again represent the justice of God and the holiness of God. Perfect. In fact, Solomon uh, made some of these in 1 Kings chapter 6, um, and they were 15 feet high and seven and a half wingspan, seven foot and a half wingspan. Incredible size. Now, notice this is what came to them, but it was only a box. When you start putting your faith in an object or a place or a person, you're in trouble. It was the God who manifested himself there. And so sometimes Christians, even today, they say, oh, well, I've got to talk to this person. I've got to get back to that church. I've got to get to back to this location. That's what God spoke to me. Come on. Seek the one who spoke to you, not the place, the thing, or the person. That's idolatry. It's real simple. Look at verse 1, the rest of it. The men brought the ark into the house of Abinadab on the hill. Abinadab means my father is noble or my father is willing. And he was a man of Gibeah. You remember Joshua 9. They made a compromising with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites came with that moldy bread, the worn-out clothes, the worn-out shoes. And they make a covenant with us. We were far away. And they made a covenant. And then around the corner, there they are. And they paid a great price. Notice still in one. The men consecrated Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord Yahweh. And the name Eliezer means God has helped. Most likely his name is after the son of Aaron, Eliezer, but there's no evidence that he was a priest that we know of. And yet he was consecrated here, set apart for the office of caring for the ark. Now, look at verse 2. The people of God became devoted to seek God now. The ark was under the care of Eliezer for a long time. In fact, the ark remained there for 20 years in Kirhath-Jerim. 
Shiloh, without doubt, had been destroyed completely. Jeremiah speaks about the destruction of Shiloh. He told the people in, Jer- in his time in Jeremiah. He says, don't say the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. God will judge you. Remember Shiloh. See, some people think they can hide in the house of God. Because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than walking into a garage makes your car. It's whether your life is given to Christ and he's real in your life and you're being obedient to his word. That's what makes you a Christian. Notice the ark remained at kirjath Jerum until David sought it. In 2 Samuel, when we get there, chapter 6, verse 1 through 9, David transported the ark like the heathens did in a new cart. And you know what happened. Uzzah put his hands up to stop it from falling over when they hit a ditch in the road, and God struck him, and David freaked out. He feared, and he was angry. And so he left the ark in the house of Obed-Enam, the Gittite, for three months in 2 Samuel 6, 11. And David, as he went back to Jerusalem, inquired, how do you try? And he realized the right way. You got to carry it, the priest. And he did sacrifice and praise unto the Lord and worship and dance before the Lord. And his wife mocked him, Michael, remember? When he entered Jerusalem. You see, God, God didn't judge the heathen for transporting it in a cart because they were ignorant. They were not the people of God. But David was. And too many people in the church today are acting like pagans. They're doing things that are contrary to the word of God and putting it under Christianity. Is God supposed to honor that? He will not honor that. If you don't know the word of God, then you don't know whether you're right or wrong. You're just guessing at it. It's like trying to balance your checkbook with one check missing. You'll never balance it. Samuel is the judge. He's the military administrator. He's a high priest. And he is setting up schools of the prophets. As God is reviving his people, they have to get grounded in the word of God. The solution to a nation is to know the word of God. The solution to the church today is to know the word of God. Because today the majority of the church does not believe this is God's inerrant, infallible word. Now, notice in two still. These 20 years was a time when all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord, it says. There's the explanation. They without doubt were lamenting for the destruction of Shiloh. They without doubt probably were lamenting that at one time the tabern- the ark sat in the tabernacle. Now it's in the house of Obadiah. But the indication that Israel lamented for 20 years is the, is the, was the renewal commitment to God. They lamented after God for their sin. Recognizing it now. And that God couldn't bless them. And that's why all these things have happened to them. But secondly, they lamented after God in prayer to be one with his people. And that's what has to take place. If you're living in sin this morning, if you're living with a person, or you're out there getting drunk and getting loaded, or stealing or lying, and you think God is going to bless you, there's something wrong with your thinking. He will not. God is gracious. He's not stupid. He's not blind. He's not taken in by you or by me. I think the parable of the prodigal son is a perfect and classic example of returning to God in Luke 15, 11 through 32. 
As you know, that prodigal son took his inheritance, went out and wasted with the prostitute, parties, did everything. Then he found himself eating husk with the pigs. And it was in that position that he came to himself. He says, I know what I will do because my father has servants that eat better than me in their service. I will rise up and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to call your son. Make me the least of your servants. And you know the story. As he went back, the father killed the fatted calf, put the ring, put the robe, celebrate. My son was once dead. Now he's alive. But remember, there were two prodigal sons. People don't even see that. The other prodigal son never left the house, and he never, he never repented. There are a lot of people in church going to hell. They'll never see heaven. And there are a lot of prodigal sons that perhaps may make it back, and they will be in heaven. You understand? If you're backslidden, if you're living in sin, you've come to know Christ one time before, then you need to turn from your sin. You need to ask to forgive you. You need to walk again with God. The effects on the lives of people who have known and known walk with God and then backslidden back into the world and live completely in the world. They lose privilege of being in fellowship with God. They lose their witness to the unbeliever who knew they were Christians. And they lose the advantage of instructing their children in the ways of God. And they lose protection by God. Listen to Jeremiah 2.19. Your own wickedness will correct you, and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord Yahweh your God, and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. The Lord God of hosts means the captain of the armies of heaven. Whenever he addresses people like that, he's at war with them, and he's never lost a fight. People have a big mouth down here. Oh, God, if there's a God, hey, you'll find out. Listen to me. Everybody in hell this morning is a believer. There's not one doubter in hell this morning, but it can't help them now. Jeremiah 3.22 says, Return your backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Indeed, we do come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Jeremiah 14.7, O Lord, Though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. See, it's that acknowledgement, that confession. The Lord looks at a person's heart. He alone knows the motive and intent of the heart, but he honors only when you are in agreement with his word, not your sincerity. Everybody in hell was sincere, sincerely wrong. You've got to line yourself up with the word of God. Listen to Deuteronomy 5.29. God said, Oh, that they have such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God wants to bless you. God wants to do good for me. You understand? Deuteronomy 10.12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord God require of you but to fear the Lord Yahweh your God, to walk in all His ways and to love Him and to serve the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. Jeremiah 29, 13. God says, And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. Never forget this. Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, have heart. Anything but a whole heart will get you in trouble. Very important. 
Pastor Xavier Reese and the relevance of repenting in revival. Simple Truths, drawn today from chapters 6 and 7 as our study series of 1 Samuel continues. And you can hear this program again anytime by opening the radio listings link when you log on to calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now, there's much more to come on our next broadcast as well, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message. And the title to ask for is simply, Repentance Precedes Revival. It's available on CD, as always, for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Once again, the title to ask for is, Repentance Precedes Revival. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com